You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 61, with special guest Steve Zingle from Los Cados Cigars. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Deep Cuts Live. I'm Antoine Reed, for those of you who don't know. And today, my special guest is Steve Zangle from Los Cados. So, Steve, thank you for coming on. It is absolutely my pleasure, and the gratitude is entirely from me to you for all that you've done for me over the years, Antoine. I didn't know that's how you said that name. I thought it was Antoine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a, a PE coach. And like every even. every class, she would she would call me a different name. It was like amazing. <laughs> like every every for a whole semester, every it was like Antonio, Anthony, uh, <laughs> Tony, and it was just like and I'll just answer to either one. I was just like whatever. I was just like yeah, I'm here. So I'm completely, you know. Oh, that's hysterical. So it's funny. That's like hysterical. when I first started doing deep cuts last year during the pandemic. I remember I asked people, I said, who would you want to see on the show? And you were one of the people, believe it or not, who people said, we want to see Steve on the show. And oh, I was get like, the okay. hell out of here. I, I don't believe that. <laughs> believe it or not, people did. Wow. And, wow. you know, and then I was always self-conscious about the show because it was Instagram Live. So our connections were always kind of iffy and stuff like that. So you're one of the people I said, I'm going to reserve it to like when I figure this, <laughs> figure this technology stuff out. And we kind of get it. So I'm glad you are on the rebooted version, as I'm calling it, of Deep Cut. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I'm, really happy to, I'm really happy to be here, man. I got the invitation. I have to tell you, like, I'm 51 years old, but I was like a little kid. I was like, oh, shit. And I can't believe this is really nice Antoine to do. Like, I I, I was touched. I, it really it touched me. I was I was very, very happy to receive it. And I, I think I emailed you, like, within minutes. Say, yes, I'm on. You did. So I was like, wow. I was like, Steve actually got that to me quickly. I always think people are going to be like, no, I don't want to be on it. And Hell stuff no. like that. So I was very happy to, to, that you responded and that you're on. And I'm excited for people to learn a little bit more about your brand today. Um, so I, I, before we jump into the, the brand and the talk about the industry and stuff like that, just tell people a little bit about you and what you did before you got into the cigar industry. Yeah, so I, I've done a lot of different things. Um, I coming out of I went to Villanova University, got out of high school. I mean, taking you way back, but it'll be quick. Got out of high school, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I was good with math. And then I applied to a bunch of schools. You know, my mother was taking me all around, my father and all that. And I got into Villanova. And you know, parents at the time, neither of my parents went to college, and they just picked up the U.S. News and World Report. And at that time, Villanova was number one in the East for business. I got in. They said that's where you're going. End of story. Had a great experience, loved the university. I was there the other day for lunch with a classmate. So it was just, it's great. I love it. I got out of there and had no clue what I wanted to do because I was a finance major. I didn't really fit the suit and tie lifestyle. And then I got offered to coach community college basketball. I got in, I went into Leggett's, had a little too much to drink on my 21st. And the guy hit me when the hitting was right. He goes, hey man, why don't you give up anything and just come with me to coach college basketball? To, you know, I said, what am I going to do for a job? He goes, bartend here, done. So my parents booted me out of the house. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so I, that was my first entry in a college coach. And then I went down to Miami, got a couple, uh, 
you know, credits in sports administration thinking, you know, I might not make money as a coach. My mom is like pissed off. I'll let me try to go to into administration. So I did that for a little bit of time. And then somebody, Pete Carrill, Princeton University, I was doing a basketball clinic for him. And I guess I did something to get his attention. He brought me over and had a real, um, I'm looking down, I'm, I'm giving you my attention. I'm trying to light a cigar here. So Pete Carrill, the uh, famed coach at Princeton said, listen, Steve, you got a talent. I think you should go into teaching. So after all that we talked about, you know, money, finance and everything else, he said, you need, you need to be a teacher and a coach. So that's what I did. I took that to heart, thought about it for a couple of months, applied to Monmouth, got my master's in teaching, got out of there in 95, started coaching at Wall High School, teaching at Union Hill High School in Union City, New Jersey, business. And then uh, did that for a couple of years. In 1996, I got the head coaching job at Point Pleasant Beach High School, turned that program around. We played St. Anthony's, um, you know, Bobby Hurley and those guys, number one in the country. So we, we were doing some pretty good things. And around 2000, um, you know, I was still doing that. And in 2001, September 11th happened, I lost my best friend. And he was in the finance industry. Uh, we had met at Villanova, became really, really close. Uh, my son's named after him. It affected me. It's a large reason I do the cigars. We'll get into that later. Um, but I just, I had a falling out. I mean, I, I just, it deeply affected me. I, I ran from teaching. I resigned. And I felt like to honor his life and do what he would have wanted me to do is like, I, I get into finance. So I started working during Morgan at Morgan Stanley during a hiring freeze um, because September 11th had just happened. But I explained to him what I wanted to do, why I wanted to do it. And, and they hired me and I did very well there for a couple of years and then uh, went over to another company, David Lerner Associates, because the management had changed very frequently at Morgan Stanley. And I just felt better doing fixed income and and keeping people's portfolios better balanced. So I did that for a couple of years, met some great people. Leon Rose, president of the Knicks, was one of my clients and some of the guys he managed as a sports agent. He was here out of Cherry Hill. So that's where I developed all the so when you see me doing my podcast with all the sports personalities, that's how I met them all. I managed a lot of their money. Um, so I did that. And then in 2007, when I was coaching a summer basketball team under David Lerner Associates, I had a kid, Jason Thompson. He was the 12th overall pick in the 2008 NBA draft. Went to Ryder. Then he went to the Kings for nine years. Very, he, he and I are close. Um, I mean, I, I looked after him as if he was one of my own kids. And he did really, really well. And at the last summer league game, a guy who had been at Monmouth University as a basketball coach saw what I did at Point Beach, remembered it, and then saw what I was doing again at the pro level and said, hey, man, I want you to come down here and coach with me at Hampton. Left the next day. I was at Hampton University from about 07 to 010, 11. And then I came back home, and that's when I started my first retail cigar shop, Seaside Heights, New Jersey, March 10, 2012. Hurricane Sandy hit eight months later. I had nothing. I fell back on a doctorate degree. I had an education, became a vice principal, made a little bit of money, got some credit cards because I had income right before. If I didn't have the vice principal job, I couldn't get a credit card. I had no income. So I got the VP job so I could have income, put on a credit card, and I built the whole second shop in Manasquan, New Jersey, on a credit card. Um, Scott Regina was very, very helpful. If you know Scott, he owns Emerson's. He gave me $28,000 of retail inventory and said, pay me back when you can. So he really got me up and running again. I couldn't have done it without him. And then during that time, two police officers were brutally murdered, Mark Castellano, Chris Matlos, and we became the shop that everyone went to because I had an employee was working it while I was a vice principal. So he was a retired PD. Guys came in and said, hey, can you help us raise money for these families and others? 
and it just blew up from there. So I was doing uh, Ashton Premium House Selection Cigar with my band around it. Chip Golden gave me permission to do that. So I was doing that, bringing it to all the golf courses. And then the Jersey Mike's guy said, listen, man, why don't you stop being a vice principal, shut the shop down and go national and get back on every dollar like we do through sub sandwiches. So I did that in 2016, released the first version of Los Caidos. The first customer was Cigars International, Craig Reynolds, Jeff Coker, Laura Barlow. Sold out immediately in a few months. And then I learned about this thing called profit margin and money. And <laughs> I shut down the sharp and a sword a little bit. We came back in 2018. Um, also included fallen uh, firefighter families. And we did the red and the blue band because in 16, if you remember Antoine in August, FDA didn't know what they were doing. So I didn't want to come out with the new cigar. So I just did the two bands on the same cigar. And that's what we did. So I've been the same company since. And as I was telling you pre-show, you know, a lot's happened since 18 and uh we'll talk about that more but that's basically my life in a nutshell i'm married now since 20 years right she's in canada so that's why i'm having coffee and not alcohol because i got kids <laughs> twin boys 17 in high school and if anything were to happen to them i got to be sober enough to to get them what they need but uh yeah so everything's great i live in new jersey about 10 minutes off the ocean um manasquan is probably the closest beach my office is in point pleasant beach New Jersey, so it's right on the right on the ocean, and uh, just loving life, and that's it. That's my life in a nutshell. I hope it was fast enough. <laughs> that's fine. When so being working in the schools and education and stuff like that, I'm sure is a is not a background that a lot of people in the cigar industry specifically can say that they have. So, what was that like? So, was it was it anything like what? Uh, <laughs> The, the antics and stuff that you see on TV with all these kind of school-based shows like Saved by the Bell, or you having to deal with that kind of stuff a lot, or is it just lots of administrative and paperwork? It was more like Breaking Bad. I've only seen a couple <laughs> episodes. I'm totally out of the loop and shit, but supposedly that guy was doing some crazy shit outside of class and not good stuff. And that's, that's the type of things you have to worry about, you know, like a uh, school administrator, everybody thinks the vice principal is just responsible for discipline. And that's a part of it, but you're there to help kids. So when we were going through Sandy, I remember a kid looked right at me and, and he's no longer alive. A good, good kid, Connor Golden, flat out called me an, an MF and cocksucker for lack of better words. That's a quote. So right away, the science teacher in the hallway overheard that and was wanted his head and I'm the vice principal. Like, you need, you could stay out of this. I got this right. right. So I just said, all right, I'm not going to confront them at that point. I said, Connor, you and I are going to talk about this later. You're obviously upset. I'll, I'll catch you. I brought him into my room later that day. And I said, bro, I don't even know you. And you, you have to have something going on in life. That's so bad that you would call me who's six, six, 270 pounds and could squash you like a grape. If you ever touched me, which would be legal if I were self-defending myself. Um, but anyway, so we had the conversation and then he started bawling. He started crying right right in front of me. And he's like, I'm so sorry, Dr. Z. This is what's going on. So what was happening is he had been relocated. His house was done in Hurricane Sandy, demolished. He now went to Manchester, which is about a 20-minute further ride. And we started school at 7.05 a.m. So now this kid was getting up earlier in the morning. His friends would have to go pick him up to bring him to school. And he was literally brushing his teeth using a garden hose at his aunt and uncle's house because he didn't want to wake them up that early in the morning. So now when this teacher is trying to get him suspended, right? So the, I caught him after he walked out of her class because he walked in with a cup of coffee and he was putting his head down. 
And she was like, Connor Golden, get your head up. He basically said, F you, walked out of the class. And then that's when I happened to be walked by him. I said, Connor, where are you going? I, Miss, you know, Miss Weasel's trying to get you back in class. He's like, F you, you MF and cocks. I was like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. So I only knew his name was Connor at the time because I heard the teacher yelling his name to get back in class. So it's that type of stuff you do. So I enjoyed every bit of my teaching experience. Um, I loved my vice principal experience because it helped me talk to kids who needed help and talk to kids who needed talking to. I did not like the faculty. I didn't like the union aspect of it. You know, if a teacher, like a lot of the teachers were leaving school early, 15 minutes early to go meet the electrician and the plumber at their house. And I was like, you're, you're like, I was cool with it. Like after a while, I was like, I'll go watch your class, but you can't just leave, tell the kids to put their head down and not make any noise. Like that isn't, it's, you can't do that, you know? So it's that type of stuff that really frustrated me the most with the educational aspect of it. Like, you know, everybody wants their summers off their holidays. They want to carry over their days. So it's like you get 10 days off a year, let's say, and if you don't use them, they stack up. So now you have teachers that have 80 days accumulated, right? They already have every holiday, every summer, every weekend off. They work 180 days a year. Now they want to use all 80 of those days. So now you're working 100 <laughs> days a year and people in New Jersey want to know why we have a problem with taxes. Like it's just, so I have a problem with that type of stuff. And when I felt like it was just becoming too much of a time suck and energy suck, like when I woke up and didn't like going to work every day, that's when I left. And it was like that with every job. I told you I've had like 10, right? So anytime I no longer enjoyed the work, I was out. Mm -hmm. So that I, but to answer your question, that's a really long winded quest answer, but in short, I absolutely love the work teaching. It's more, it's like goodwill hunting, right? And it's like dead poet society. It's you have guys and gals out there, teachers who truly make a positive impression, act as mentors to young children and people who need it. And sometimes even adults. And you also have your fair share of people who do dumb shit. Right. Like we have a teacher in town here a couple of years ago. My kids were in eighth grade gym teacher selling coke out of a hotel room and it became a major national news story. So it's like anything in life. You're going to have good apples and bad apples in any profession, priests, cops, firefighters, cigar manufacturers. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, when you deal with sheer numbers of that size, you're going to have some bad apples and you just can't paint everybody with the same brush. So I had bad apples, but I absolutely love the experience of teaching, coaching and educating every day until I didn't like the adults anymore. And when you open or got into tobacco retail, I know that's a completely different ballpark. So when I was thinking about your bio and your background, um, do you think you could have been as successful with Los Cados had you not done the retail part first, if you had just gone from you know, straight into, I'm going to start my own brand and just start it. Or was that retail part of your life, like necessary to, for, to set you up for the success that you've had so far? It's funny you ask that. You would have thought any smart individual, we talked about how we read and enjoy the intellectual mm -hmm. side of things. Antoine, you would have thought that having that experience helped me. <laughs> it didn't. And I feel like such a dumbass. <laughs> It, because let me tell you why. When I came out with Los Caídos, it was an 11 count box. All right. It was about 18 inches, 15 to 18 inches wide. And then when I came out with the fire, the, the cigar to benefit family members of fallen firefighters, I made it a red box. Still an 11 count box, 
still 15 to 18 inches wide. So now I went into retailers saying, please carry Los Kaidos, both blue and a red. It's the same cigar. The only thing that changes is where the dollar goes. Oh, and by the way, these 22 cigars are going to take up 36 inches of shelf space. Like, jerk off, what were you thinking? So I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, my God, I was a retailer and I totally missed this. Also, though, in my favor, I was going to try to do more direct consumer sales somehow. But the paperwork after dealing with Las Vegas and California alone, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. So I pivoted to wholesale. But that was a large reason why I came out with the 11 count boxes. But I wasn't even prepared for the what if I had to pivot to wholesale. I just said, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes. I had the boxes made in, in Miami because I wanted to be an American made. We're honoring police and fire. $16 a wooden box. I moved that down to Nicaragua and it's $8 a wooden box, right? And then all of a sudden, if I do a smaller footprint and add 20, 30 more cigars, it becomes five cents per cigar on the box. It's nothing, right? So I learned, I made more mistakes than I care to recall. And you would have thought I knew better having been a retailer, but I didn't, I didn't know that side of things, you know? And I would say this too, Antoine, I think a lot of people out there, I don't know how many are listening, but I also have said this many, many, many times and have written a blog post about it. I was not a true retailer, right? And I'm going to miss a lot of people here. But when you get into, um, you know, Penny and Tino at Shenanigans, Garofalo at Two Guys, Regina at Emerson, Zimmerman um, at the Tobacco Company, the Rumbos at Club Humidor, you get and lose Neptune, Abe, Smoke, and you know all these names. Mm-hmm. When you talk to them, they're retailers. Scott Regina made me actually taught me, made me count the tiles in his Hampton store and figured out the cost of rent per each square foot and why it makes more sense for grab and go than have somebody sit down and smoke a cigar in a chair. Like that was a lesson, right? That's real retail. Me, when I came back to Seaside and opened up, I was more of a hobby with a hope. I said, oh, cigars cost me this. I'll sell them for this. And if I sell this much, I'll be rich. Not necessarily rich, but I'll be able to, you know, live a lifestyle. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, you got to pay employees. You got to pay rent. You got to get insurance. You got to keep the lights on. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I was like, holy shit, there's no money in this. Right. So I learned a ton, but I absolutely entered it blindly, think as a hobby with a hope. And I just wanted a place to smoke cigars, hang out with people, live a good life, hoping I can make money, thinking I would make money. Now, as a manufacturer, having made so many mistakes, uh, again, as we discussed, you would have thought I didn't make him as a retailer or having that retail experience, but I did. Um, now it's very, very different. Now it's very, very different. Now I'm, I still want to get the enjoyment of meeting with people and everything else, but I got to make sure that I'm making money to be able to help those I want to help. Cause I can't give out any money and help others if I don't have any myself. So now I, I would say my shift, my perspective definitely shifted to, you know, being able to streamline operations and, and, doing everything that can increase the profitability so I could help people in a greater capacity. I mean, I think that's a good point that you make. Cause I think a lot of people, especially in the cigar world, um, initially everybody, I always say thinks, what if we, wouldn't it be cool to have my own cigar online? <laughs> and it's like the, the idea of it, but you miss all the little pieces, like you said, like the paperwork and the, the non-sexy parts of the industry. It's not all the travel. It's not what's, curated on Instagram. Instagram is like the, the end point of, of everything. And then you miss all the, the paperwork. You miss the days where 
you don't talk to anybody. You're just like buckled down, looking at your computer screen, trying to figure out stuff or traveling to Nicaragua, not for vacation, but, you know, to what, see how your product is being made to make sure the quality control is done. So I think there's a lot of people who kind of get mixed up uh, and don't make that separation like you did in between it being a hobby and it being like work and then finding that balance in between. Which is not to say you, you can still enjoy the work. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I still get like, I'll get on my motorcycle, go visit a retailer and I'm still having a smoke, doing an event, having a couple beers, meeting great new people. Like, that's still fun, but it's work. It's work, right? Because at the end of the day, when a retailer says, hey, we only sold one box and you ship them 50 and they want to send you back 49. Oh, yeah, that, that 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 was fun. You know what I mean? Not that it's happened. Um, you know, in the early stages, definitely we had a we had a problem with the boxes and everything else. So, yeah, it became a business real quick. And I and I started to understand it. But I, the best story I could say about this, Antoine, you may appreciate it to exactly what you were saying. This dude kept asking me. I want to go on the road. I'd love to work with Los Gaitos. I'd love to work with Los Gaitos. Okay, no problem. So I get a call, say, hey, man, can you come up here to New Hampshire? And I was like, all right, no problem. I'll be there tomorrow. Like, tomorrow? I was like, yeah, it's only six hours. I called the dude 8 o'clock at night. I was like, listen, man, I'm getting up at 7. We're going to New Hampshire tomorrow. I'm going to introduce you to an account. I can't. Okay, no problem. Have a good day, <laughs> right? So then I did that two, three, four times. I'm like, hey, we got to go down to Virginia. We got to go down to Delaware. We got to go to Pennsylvania. He's like, I can't. I got family. I got my kid, my kids to school. Like all this, all every every excuse. I'm like, motherfucker, then what do you want? Like what? Right. Do you, like what, what, do you, what, what do you want? Not to be. <laughs> like I got kids. I got kids going to school too. But I had to arrange with my wife or the school bus or friends or family. Like you just have to do shit to make it work. But this guy, all he wanted to do is really show up to events, have fun, smoking cigars, and go back home. You know, and that's not uh, that's a lot of people how they enter it, but they they don't realize the work. And then I, th I find very few um, put it in, I very, mm -hmm. I, you know, outside of the guy people we know. I'm talking about new brands like I yeah. think they, they, they see the, the shiny object and say, well, what a great life this would be. I'd love to do it. And then they just don't understand the effort and time and work. And that's OK, because, I mean, I didn't understand it either. So I'm not saying it bashing people or in a derogatory way i'm trying to more state it as a matter of fact it just is what it is until you're in it you you truly don't know that's all i'm saying now when it came time like you work with agonorsa for to create your product right mm -hmm. so what was that process like what was it like going from being a consumer where you just kind of go into a humidor and you get to you know just like the kid in the candy store you get to pick out what you like and now you're like, uh oh, you're on the other side of it. You're you have to create something that's going to be different from everything else in the humidor and that's going to appeal to consumers. What was that process like? Well, I have a special surprise for you, Antoine, and I'll say this now and I'm going to say it at the end. But what you don't realize and why you're getting this special treatment and I'm going to take a little segue in the side here. So in 2020, you were very, very supportive of me. Right. You asked me to come out to the TPA, um, introduced me to Ben and some other, I think Dawn and some other folks there. I took the booth. I was not with Agonor, so I got my own booth. And it was at that show where two independent brokers picked me up, Jer Jeremy Wolfson and soon after Brett Bauer Sox. It was at that show where Sutliff Tobacco approached me and said, do you need any help? Before they could finish the damn sentence, I said yes. And I got on my knees and I said, I don't know what, what help are you offering? And we talked about distribution 
And at the time I was packing all the boxes myself and Ben Salem flying all over the country, doing events, flying back, packing boxes, going back. It was a shit show that my costs were crazy. My travel expenses were crazy. Sutliff has been a huge partner and I'm proud to announce that we just, uh, you know, signed for another uh, time period, another year. So I'm really, really excited by that. I went down, we had a nice meeting at Jeremy, Kevin, and great people. So that was really, really exciting. That only happened a couple of weeks, but that's not the piece of news I have with you. But I'm just telling you, like, you helped make all of that happen. And you might not have realized the ripple effect that you have on people like me by just saying, hey, we're having a show. You might not have been to TP before. No, Antoine, I haven't. Well, why don't you come out and check it out? You know, this, that, the other thing. I did. And look at all the great stuff that happened to me as a result. So for you, I have... This is the first cigar I ever released with Agonorsa. Okay. Wow. It was done shortly after 2013. We started talking about it in August. It was, it is in Ecuadorian Connecticut around Corojo, Criollo, Corojo 99, Criollo 98 from Jalapa Nestle. And I did 500 boxes with Raleigh Massimino, the basketball coach of Villanova, to try to raise money for pediatric cancer. They sold out. He died, so I have nothing to do. This is one of the remaining two cigars I know of that, that are there. You may be, and I'm telling this to everybody here, this has not yet been announced formally or per se, but let me just say, you may be seeing this blend again in a different band with that name on it um, coming out soon. So that is the special treat I have for you. No one else knows that. That's never been announced before, but here for the first time on Deep Cuts with you because I feel I owe it to you. I owe something to you, however small it may be, for all that you've done for me. Well, I appreciate it. Not that I think you owe anything to me. I just do my stories. I try to get people's. I tell people I'm just a storyteller. I just get people's stories out there and, uh, you know, try to encourage them where I see uh a possibility. So I always tell people like trade shows like TPE are a good opportunity because you may not think, you know, you may look at a, a, the makeup of a show like TPE and say, there's not much there for me, but you will be surprised by the people that you will encounter. And, and sometimes it's more important to kind of go to shows like that for the networking purposes, because you will meet somebody who can really, <laughs> you know, help you um, in a way that you never even thought going into a show like that antoine i signed a national distribution agreement as a result of the show with the oldest pipe tobacco company in america like are you kidding me so and that's not to say that uh, listen i'm just going to throw it out there not to say the pca that both of you guys do great jobs at what you do period right so they've they've been tremendously helpful but you i just wanted you to know the help that you you've changed somebody's life like, and you probably never knew that I, I tried nope. telling you, you know, so I just, uh, that's why I was so excited to get on here. I said, man, rather than a handwritten card or next time I see him at TPE and everything else, I'm just going to get on the show and tell him everything tonight. So, uh, you know, I, I just wanted you to know that you changed my life. You changed my family's life. You changed Los Kaidos, the trajectory. I mean, I don't really, all the calls go to Sutliff. They ship it out and we're good. It's like, so. Man, you have no idea. And then the article you wrote about me in Tobacco Business Magazine. Are you kidding me? That gave me content to use for the rest of my life. You that there was some that, that, that that's it's always gonna be a part of Los Kaidos history. That article was the first article really ever done on us. So you you just changed everything about us. You you did so much for us. 
and I say us, it's still only me, but I'd like to think there's someone. <laughs> no, <laughs> I do the same thing. I always say we. And people are like, who's the other person doing this stuff? I'm like, I guess it's one of my other personalities that pop up. <laughs> you and me both, brother. You and me both. But to answer your question, so back to the Raleigh Massimino, it was called Perfection. It was a box of eight because they were the only eight seed to ever win a tournament. And, uh, you know, we only did 500 boxes. So, uh, and and it, they were known as having a perfect game in 85 against Georgetown. So that's that was all the history there. But when I was calling Paul Palmer at Aganorsa, I had the retail shop at the time. And it was not Aganorsa, it was Cas Fernandez. So I had some of Dion's stuff. I carried Andre's stuff. I carried everybody. So I had like 450, 350, 450 facings, little last 700 square foot shop. I mean, I, I crammed everything in there. And what I gravitated to, Right. I smoked every day because I, I worked in the shop every, when I wasn't vice principaling. I was there every day and I was smoking all the time. I kept going back to the Casa Fernandez stuff and I kept recommending it to everyone. They're like, who the, who the, who's Casa Fernandez? Never heard of that shit. I was like, dude, this tobacco, I don't know what's going on with it. Who makes it? Whatever. It's phenomenal. Right. So then I start calling Paul Palmer. I called him in January. I was like, you know what? This was January, maybe 14. I said, I want to do a cigar because I opened up the shop on August 13. And I said, I want to do a cigar, Raleigh Massimino, you know, um, what do you think? He said, no. I said, why? He goes, it's going to be a one and done release. Nobody knows you. Nobody knows. No, we're not doing this. I said, okay. I really like your tobacco. <laughs> so <laughs> then I called him in February and I called him at like, I think it was 9 or 10 a.m. I set an alarm up on my phone every 15th of the month. And I called him March 15th. No. April 15th. No. And that continued till August. And then I was totally kidding around with him. He told me no for the eighth straight time, eighth monthly call. And I said, Paul, there's something you're not understanding, man. I said, I'm a big guy. And I always throw this out there. I said it once already tonight. I was like, I'm 6'6", 270. I like joking around about that, right? Because if you know me, I'm, I'm really not that tough. So I said, I'm 6'6", 270. Next, and I'm from Jersey. So the next time you have, you're telling me no is to my face in Miami next month on the 15th, I'll be down there. So silence on the other end. Now I'm laughing inside like you are chuckling, right? Like, you know, that's a joke. I'm never going to threaten somebody and go down there. So all of a sudden I just bust out laughing. And I said, Paul, I'm just kidding. He goes, I knew you were. I said, no, you did not. <laughs> no, you did not. So then he came up that September. He was on a, a call. I guess Eduardo Son Max was getting into the industry and going to some calls. So Bob Morris and the sales rep at the time in Jersey um, brought him down to my shop. And immediately I threw a party. I was like, holy shit, they're here. What are they doing? So I was like, we had to come see you, man, All after all those calls. So I left my customers in the shop. I And I took everything Casa Fernandez put it on a round table. I had a little high top table, put everything around. I said, free for the day, but only this pile. I'll be right back. I texted my best customers, my good friends. I said, listen, man, I'm leaving the shop. If you want to come by, we're having a party, man. Cos Fernandez is here. So they, and they, they knew the story. So I went out, I got cake, coffee. I had to wait a few minutes for the liquor stores to open. So I got everything and I brought it back with me. And Paul was like, you're nuts. I was like, did anybody come in? There was like 30 or 40 people there. 30, we walked in together, there were 30 or 40 people there. And Paul wasn't with me to get all that stuff, but he just couldn't believe that peep that many people were coming into my cigar shop without me there. So it was all good. All the Cas Fernandez were smoked freely that day. Everybody loved it. They loved meeting the guys. And I said, Paul, what is it going to take, man? He goes, you just did it. 
I said, what do you mean? Like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, you just did it. He said, you're the, you're going to be the crazy uncle at our Thanksgiving table. I can tell. <laughs> so I said, I'll take it. I said, I will take that shit. So that, then he agreed they did perfection. Um, like I said, five, 4,000 cigars. It was 500 boxes of eight. And then afterwards is when we started talking with the guys in town about, you know, beach house cigars being wrapped around that house cigar, going all these outings to benefit family members, fallen officers. And that's when the conversation then turned into, Hey, I want to do a bigger brand, Los Caidos. And then when cigars international, they had some employee that was in town golfing for the weekend or, you know, we're a big vacation destination in the summer. So somebody must've been golfing or something like that. And then they, they, they were literally in cardboard boxes on the floor having just been delivered. And they said, Hey, what's in the box? And I told them, so they said, can I have one? I said, they're not for sale. I don't even like, I didn't even open them yet. So I opened them, gave him a box. I said, well, 10 bucks a stick, a hundred bucks. So he said, sure. So he, I guess brought it back to CI. They called and said, we want to meet. And they picked up, they, I had 500 boxes made. They picked up the first 300, put them online and I was sold out in a few months. That was wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the best part, though, I think of what you do is that some people just make cigars just to put their name on it. And then it's just a business to, to make money. But most of what you do is actually is tied to some kind of mission or charitable kind of goal. So just kind of talk about how you kind of created like this brand around, like I said, serving other people or connecting to the community because i don't know if people get that all the time or understand that part of what you do yeah it was um you know i was i was like i said i at the time i had a beach house cigar band you could go back uh you might not be able to go back on facebook i i unpublished the old retail shop page but it was basically my retail logo beach house cigars wrapped around a, a ashton premium house it's house cigar and i was literally going to casino nights picnics, golf outings, anywhere I could um, as a retailer with those cigars and trying to raise money for the causes which I was being invited to to help. So I went out there and I was like, I'm walking home with three or $400 and I'm giving them a hundred. And it is off of the life of somebody, right? Like if it was just business and I'm selling 400, giving a hundred back, that's cool, right? That happens every day. But when you're there because somebody died, and you're helping a family, it, I almost felt like I needed to shower. It didn't make, it didn't feel right. Like I felt like I was profiting off of the death of somebody and it didn't sit right with me for a long time. And I would talk about it after every event. And, you know, my cigar shop was 10 seconds, literally maybe less than a half mile from Jersey Mike's headquarters. The school at which I taught Point Pleasant Beach High School and Antrim Elementary, that's where Jersey Mike's was founded. So the COO, Mike Manzo, I taught Brittany. Brian Summers had a real estate. He was in the gym when I was coaching every day. Like just the list goes on of all the people I'm affiliated with there, including my two best friends, kids I used to coach with whom I share an office, Matt Catania and John Helm. So really, really close with everybody there. And they'd come in for a cigar every now and then. And after hearing me bitch about it so much, they're like, Steve, just stop what you're doing then. Like, if you're really serious about it, get a set of balls, stop talking shit, stop being a vice principal, shut the shop down and go national and just give back on every cigar sold to a cause like we do through subs. And you're not going to give back shit in the beginning, right? Because you're a small unknown entity. But as you grow over time, you'll realize, you know, that you can give back a lot more. 
Um, another company that influenced me was Salesforce, 1%, pledge 1% model. So I've been sitting there, you know, looking at the industry, um, Blake McCoskey's, Tom Shoes, one-for-one model. Like I, I, I study business. I, study, I really look closely at industries that are doing similar things to what I want to do. And at the time, I just said, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't pay much attention to it. I didn't realize how it would affect the bottom line. I didn't realize anything. I just said, I'm going to go do this. And part of the reason, a large part of the reason I did that is because I realized the power a cigar had to connect with loved ones lost. And I did that because, as I mentioned earlier, when I lost my best friend on 9-11, every September 11th after that, I sat in my backyard where I'm sitting right now, right now, this spot, um, you know, I'd sit and talk with them. My family would be inside and they're like, what's dad doing? Oh, he's talking to Chris, you know, and I would do it over a cigar. So that's what really made me have the concept of we can help families of fallen officers by having their friends join in and other family members join in, get together, smoke a cigar and have it in some way outside of the camaraderie and talking and laughing because a lot of people enter my we call them los kaidos light ups right so a lot of people walk into the los kaidos light up and it's almost from a state of mourning and i have to keep announcing like i know i know chris isn't upstairs looking down saying i want you to mourn my death for the rest of your life he's saying pick yourself up get out there and have a good time go live because i couldn't right so that's what I remind people about, like, hey, we're here, we're having a cigar, let's enjoy it, let's have a beer, let's remember our friends and loved ones that we lost. And, and by the way, I mean, every support, every every purchase you make, we're going to support that family that you're thinking about by giving a little bit of money back. To, and whether it's your family or not, the essence is there, because so many people are dying, we don't have enough to give every, like, you could give five bucks to a thousand people, or you could give 500 to you know, 10 or you could give 5,000 to one person. So it's really hard deciding who gets how much, um, but that's a good problem to have because somebody's getting something. And so far to this day, we've given out $21,000. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but yeah, so that, that's how it happened. And Los Caidos, uh, you know, you talk about the mistakes I made, you know, everyone said, oh, be iconic, just stick it to two syllables or less, Nike, Apple, Starbucks, right? So what do I come out with? A Spanish name that's multi-syllable that no one can spell or say. Good job, Steve. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it was important to me because there was a cigar out there called the Fallen, and he was in Miami or Florida area, and I offered to buy it. I got some guys together. I said, "Listen, let's just buy it. We'll call it the Fallen." And he was more interested in selling me his, the, the, I guess, event props. So there were events that he would go to and he'd have a, a ring with a, a hammer and all that. And he wanted to plop that into the cigar. So he wanted 68,000 or something like that for the company. I offered him 6,800 and he's like, no. So I was like, okay, well, now what? So I just said, you know what? I Googled the fallen. I said, let's tip our hat to those in the industry who made their own sacrifice. Those people who've left Cuba with a couple pocketfuls of seeds and went across on a boat. Like so many people, who have brought us cigars went through so much sacrifice. I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to honor them as well. We're definitely going to make this name Spanish. And what's Spanish for the fall in Los Caídos? I said, done, let's do it. And then everybody, all the advisors, anybody who considered giving me some startup money to help out, they were all like, Steve, I can't even spell it. You're not going to come on Google for any searches. Like, like this is a horrible idea. I said, but it's the only idea. Because anything else, we would be catering it to just what's better for business. This is what it has to be. So everybody in the world was, even the people at CI were like, what the hell did you do? You know, but Craig Reynolds was, <laughs> Craig Craig was awesome, awesome. 
And uh, I was like, hey, I did what I did. And they were like, you didn't even use .com, you used .us. And I was like, no, but it traces to .com. And, goes, <laughs> and they go, but didn't you have to pay extra for that? I go, I did. They go, you dummy, you know. So it was just mistake after mistake after mistake. But I just, I knew in my head that there, I was not going to relent on the meaning and the why. So whatever, wherever the chips fell, as hard as it is to say, as hard as it is to spell, that's where I was falling. And that's it. There's, there's nothing, nothing else to it. And I know we talked about this a little bit before we went live, but how did 2020 kind of impact your business? Cause I know it impacted oh. every business in a completely different way and every brand owner and every so on and so forth. So how did it impact you? Mm-hmm. And before I answer that question, my, I'm, I know I'm a windbag. My wife would be killing me if she saw this. Do you Have I answered your questions? Because I know you asked about Agonors and what that was like starting with them. And I think I answered that. Have I been answering your questions? Or yeah. in my long-windedness, have I not answered anything you wanted to talk about? No, you've answered the question. Okay, okay. So this question now is what? How did 2020 kind of impact so your brand? We were talking before, and, and for those people who might, um, know a little bit about me. I did coach basketball at Hampton University. Okay. So 2020 impacted me in a couple ways. First, I mean, your show at the end of January, I remember the dates, 29th and 30th, right? So at the end of January, I then had, I left you with Jeremy Wolfson as an independent broker. He works with Agonorsa, picked me up and, and opened a few accounts out on the West Coast, California, Washington, Oregon, while we were on a show floor. That was huge, right? Thank you, Brian Cigar Train and all those guys. Um, that that was huge for me. Huge. It was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm on the West Coast now, and I have somebody helping me with sales. So that was gigantic. I, I also set up a meeting for late February with Sutliff on the show floor. So that was 220. I answer this now not as a, a gratitude to you, but this is just how 220 was. So then David Garofalo, two guys called and said, hey, why don't you come up and be on our Cigar Authority podcast? It was week Valentine's weekend, like February 14th, around there. It might have been Saturday the 15th, I forget. And I said, I'd love to. Thank you so much. I'm humbled. And David, right on his show, said he has no sales rep. He's working alone. He's doing all the distribution. The guy needs help. If anyone's out there, please call this guy. He needs your help, right? He's drowning. And, it, and Brett Bowersox, I said, Brett, I know that I'm nobody. I'm only one. See, here's the other thing I'm going to segue. Take me back to this, but I need to tell you this. When you're one box of cigars that sells for $100, an independent broker may, like, no retailer is going to buy 100 boxes. They're going to buy maybe five or 10, if that, right? Mm-hmm. It's a new account, new boutique cigar they're going to try. So even if somebody bought five boxes, that's $500. A broker getting 10% sales commission is going to get 50 They They get maybe between 10 and 15. But let's just say they say, hey, your new guy will start off 10%. They're making 50 bucks. You're in New Hampshire, right? I just paid for maybe a tank of your gas. Golf clap. You know what I mean? So a lot of the brokers initially when I was talking, I'm like, Steve, you don't even pay for our fucking gas money. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about that. So the fact that Jeremy and Brett stepped up and said, listen, bro, we have we deal with Agonorsa. We are, we have other things. You know, Brett just works with Vertigo. Very great products. He sells a ton of them. He's like, I don't need to make money. If I get a couple beers off of your monthly check, I'm good. So and those are my words, not his. But basically, 
if those two didn't step up, I would not be where I am today. I owe a lot to them as well. And they know that because I'm always telling them that. Um, so that happened in February, later February. Um, so I go to Cigar Authority. I get Brett Bauer socks. Uh, thankfully, decides to work with me. And then later that month, February like 24th, I go down to Sutliff and they say, yeah, bro, um, this if, if you like what you see here, we're going to start working and distributing some cigars. We've only been piping pipe tobacco for a while, but we'd like to do cigars and we're doing four or five of them now. We'd like you to be in the, the, the profile. And I was tickled. I was like, I, I don't even, I didn't know, even know what to say. Like it changed everything. So I walked out of there saying, okay, let's do it. And then, the, then the pandemic hits, George Floyd is murdered and I'm going through what, um, when was George? So the pandemic hit in March, correct? Mm-hmm. And when when was George Floyd murdered? I believe the end of May. Okay, so you had all of that going on, and then they say to me, "Okay, we're ready when you're coming down." I said, "Listen, man, my lease ends up September 30th. October 1st is a good starting point because it's when I would resign my lease." <clears throat> so they said, okay, come down October 1st. Well, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do because as a white men's basketball coach, having coached at an HBCU Hampton university, which is all black, which means I was one of five or six white guys on an all black campus, George Floyd's murder by a police officer. When our logo was a black and white hand together, on top of a blue band that honored fallen police officers, I cannot tell you, and, and again, we discussed this, the influx, text messages, conversations at Live Cigar, you know, you couldn't really have them, they were, but uh, up here, there were still cigar events during the pandemic, and I'd go to them. Um, so live conversations, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, texting, website, you know, we have a, a contact form on our email, all that stuff was coming in. And everything was, people were perplexed. Like, what are you trying to do here, bro? You got the black and the white, but then you have the police band. And I was like, dude, the logo came out in 2018. I didn't know George Floyd was going to get murdered. But having received so much of that, it caused me to pause because I had been in that community at an HBCU at Hampton. It affected me deeply because... It let me just it, it just affected me deeply because I saw I was at the Hampton Museum. I would never be so naive and ignorant to say that I, I know or can imagine. I'll, I'll never be able to say that. But let me just say from the way I perceive things to be in that community, it affected me deeply. And I shut down. I shut down. I didn't care about sales. I didn't care about much else. I didn't, I did not take care of the retailers. I didn't call them. I didn't see how they were doing. I didn't see what can I do to possibly help a couple of them. I did. Um, but it, it, it affected me. I, I more was questioning internally again, you know, with so many people reaching out and saying these things, is there something more I could be doing? Is there something else I should be doing? Should I change the logo? Should I change the band? Should I, you know, I just started question cause I want to, I want to do right by as many people as possible. Um, because feelings are feelings are there, right? Like it, like for me, I started this brand because the cigar was a very emotional thing for me. So if a cigar was an emotional thing for other people, and this is how they were personally interpreting Los Caídos, I needed to do a deep, deep dive 
into how I can make that the best experience for as many cigar smokers as possible. Um, I mean, shit, you would have people so mad at the police. They'd be like, I'm not buying the blue. I'm buying the red all day long. I'd go mm-hmm. to events where not one blue cigar was purchased because of all the stuff that was going on and then the red sold out. But then all of a sudden you went to a police event and all the reds would, all the blues would sell and the reds would, you know what I mean? So I, I saw that it, it's almost like a, a greater divide was being drawn. And I was like, this isn't what I wanted. So it was just, it caused me uh, to really, really think about what I want to become as a cigar company um, and how I want it to impact people and what I could possibly be doing to play a role in that. And, uh, that's, so that's what I did. Um, so now I'm soon coming out. Uh, I think 2022 is going to be a great year for people. I mean, Antoine, if you think about it, I've been the same thing since 2016, right? I've been the same cigar. I only put the different band around it because the FDA came out. They didn't know what they were going to do by the August 8th, 2016 deadline. I got the guys at Agonorsa, you know, Cos Fernandez, now Agonorsa, telling me, hey, man, don't come out with another cigar because the FDA is going to make you do this SC equivalence and the packaging. So I said, all right, fine. They share a common bond. The police and fire will keep it the same cigar, just change the band. And I've been that same cigar, same product, same skew, same everything for five years. Now, you've been in the industry a minute as far as reporting on it and with tobacco business and everything else. I don't know. And tell me if I'm wrong on this. And I'm being sincere. I'm not saying it from like a braggadocious, sarcastic point of view. I'm asking you for a sincere answer on this. I don't know of many cigar manufacturers out there who could say they've been the same cigar with no new releases, no new nothing for five years, and they're still around. No, I think most most have at least there's a few companies out there that take a different approach to releasing new products and they don't do it that often. Uh, and when they do do it, it's because they're taking like the tobacco supply that they use for certain cigars has been run out. So they shift gears over to like a different set of brands or something like that. But most brands that I know of do that, you know, every year it's going to be something, at least one new product, if not one per, <laughs> per season sometimes, which right. is a lot. Right. So I didn't. So I, I knew that that couldn't be me. Right. Because I had no reason to release a new cigar. So I wasn't just going to be the flavor of the day. I wasn't going to come out. So I, I just that's that's who I am. And for me to, to do anything else other than do a deep dive, shut my doors, get into reading, get into like I did. A, I, I did a lot. And uh, that's who I am. And I'm, I'm very un, unapologetic about it. I do appreciate and thank the retailers who i mean we still have orders coming in we're now in a little over 180 stores in 33 states and it's still only me as the same product for the past six years same size same everything nothing's changed so i am really excited for those people who believed in me early and have been patient with me i'm most excited for them to come out with the new stuff next year i'm really really excited for them more so than i'm excited for myself and the cigar brand I'm really excited for the people. Like I got a text the other day, beautiful message, a Facebook messenger from a retailer saying, Hey, haven't heard much from you. Um, I hope you're doing okay. Really excited to see you. Could you just come up and say hi sometime before Christmas? I was like, absolutely. You know, and that just was nice to receive because I have not been the best person to any retailer in the country at all. Right. So I just, uh, I'm really excited for them to, to, release new stuff and and it's going to be exciting it's going to be very very exciting and very different so i'm i'm pretty stoked about it well i'll tell you why i think 
your approach worked. Um, and it's because I think the industry is very relationship driven. And there's a lot of people who don't understand that. <laughs> um, so even though, you know, you keep saying that you're the only person, you know, you're like, you know, a one man team along with, uh, um, and somebody said that they love your honesty. <laughs> so, um, thank you, Daly Ash. Thank you. You know, it, it works because people know that you are the brand. And so they, they do care about what's going on with you and obviously about the new releases that are going to come out, but it's because you fostered that relationship with them. And I think a lot of people sometimes miss that because you don't get that with every brand. Um, like when I think of Los Cados, obviously I think of you, I think, because I think you, you're the brand and you're the product and like it's your heart and your spirit is like in everything that you do. And, um, there are some brands that just aren't like that, that it's just like, what's the story? You know, I always ask like, what's the story? Like what's, what makes this worth buying? Um, so that's why I always appreciate it about your story in particular, because it is such a personal story. Every from like the inception to, you know, what inspired it and what you do now is like I said, it's a lot of you ingrained in it. And so um, I think, you kind of taking the time to like really think about, you know, what, what does this mean for the brand? Like all these events happening and cause most people are just kind of like, you know, we're just going to take a break this year or, you know, kind of just wait it out. But for you to kind of take that time to really put some thought into it, um, I think it's a good thing. I think you're going to see it pay off in, in 2022 when, you know, you, you start coming out with these uh, new things and you start getting out there a little bit more. Yeah. Hey, I hope so. But again, my hope isn't for me. Like Antoine, if I don't sell another cigar, the easiest thing for me in the world is go find some district where the crime rates are huge and they need some guy to come in as a vice principal because no one else will take the job. I can easily do that to make a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow. Right. I felt like I started something with this cigar company and I'm not going to stop until I see it through. Right. So anybody, you know, sitting on the sidelines until you're in the arena, I'm not hearing all that shit. Like, don't tell me what you think I should be doing with the cigars. Don't tell me what blend you think I should be making. Don't tell me I'm going to come out with the stuff, anything new when I'm ready, because I, I will feel like the the I the country will be ready for it. Right. The retailers, the consumers. So if I had done anything different, people would notice you notice when, I mean, you're laughing about it now when you see some people putting new stuff out every month, everything it's either there, you know, if it's just for profit margins and whatnot, that's cool. I don't begrudge that, you know, and I'm not, I don't say anything bad about that. That is just not me. My, the cigars I smoke are very, and, and some people get sick of it, right? They're like, Steve, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar for you. It may be cigars for me are very emotional and I'm not going to do, I'm not doing shit until I'm ready. And it has a meaning, period. So if it takes five or six years, F it. That's how long it takes. And it's it's taken that long. And now I got a reason. Now I got a real reason to come out with something different and new that I think is going to impact a lot of people on a greater basis. Now, I know in the story that we did for Tobacco Business, there's another charity that you're associated with, The Life of a Ride Time, I think it's called. Is that yes. what, what it's called? Can you yes, tell us a little bit about that? 
I can. You do your research before these calls. That's good, <laughs> Antoine. I'm proud of you, man. I uh, call it being yes. on my little Barbara Walters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of do the research in the time, so I wanted. To, uh, I was like, that was one of the important points I wanted to bring up. So please tell no. us about that. Yeah. So life of ride time. When I started the cigar company, I had nowhere to put the dollar. Right. I was raising the money. I said, I'm going to give a dollar back. But I was like, oh, shit, I, I got to have somewhere to put it. And I wanted to give it right to the families. So I didn't want to go into like, you know, some police organization to run a bowling night or some shit. So <clears throat> I was sitting around dinner table with my family and I was talking to them about the problem I have. And my freaking kids, they're wise ass. They're good kids, really smart kids. They're 17 now, but they were younger. I'm going to say... I don't know, 12, maybe at the time, 11 or 12. And they were saying it at an innocent kids. Um, have this comment. Do limited oh. jobs every couple of, yeah. Yeah, you're right about that, Daily Ash. You're right. As a matter of fact, I just pulled out my Air Force One low tops from 2017, looking at <laughs> thinking about busting them out again. Um, but yeah, you're right. They they do release new products on a, on a regular basis. Like I'm wearing a Dixon shirt. Dixon's known for that, right? So I understand that um, other guys can do that. That is not going to be me. Um, and it, again, everybody does their own thing, but I'm not. I'm not going to to do that. Um, but yeah, that is, that is an interesting point. I'll probably consider, you know, in doing my my thoughts and research and stuff. So life of a ride time. I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my kids, and they're they're like, well, you know, what? Why don't you do what you love doing? I said, what do you? What do I love doing? Or like that. You love smoking cigars, you love riding your motorcycle, and you love drinking beers. So why not just like form a form a nonprofit that does that? And I was like, I don't know many nonprofits that do that. <laughs> Usually they give money out. So, but that's what it did. So I wanted ride of a lifetime, and it was taken. So I couldn't have any trademark issues. I just flipped the two words. So it became life of a ride time, and that's what I do. To accelerate the fundraising on the cigars, we go out and like we did a great event with Club Humidor, gave a thousand dollars out to um, the San Antonio 100 Club for Greg Garza, who lost his life, fell off a, a fire truck and got hit by a Culligan Waterman. So uh, Penny and Tino up at Cigar Shenanigans, Scott Regina down at Emerson's, the ride got canceled and we still went down there, had an event and gave a thousand dollars. I gave five, Scott matched it. Same thing that Shenanigans did in North Conway. I gave five, they matched it. So we've been having these great events and that's what it's centered around cigars, motorcycles and beer. And it's been, it, it was, it's been a lot of fun. We're governed by uh, nine board members now throughout the country. One of our board members is in Los Angeles. We had a great event in Fullerton this July 17th, raised $8,400 in one day. Um, had it with 888 Cigar Bar in Fullerton, Roger Steinke. So it's just, it, it's, it was good. Now I can tell you, um, we just had our third quarterly meeting. Our, our annual meeting is going to be January 12th, 13th, and 14th. It's going to be down in Middletown, Delaware. We're going to have our meetings at the Holiday Inn and go to cigar uh, sessions with Pat and those guys afterwards. And I don't know if that entity itself will look the same. Let me just say that because it's tied to the cigars. So if the cigar company in Los Caídos may be changing and issuing new things, there may be new people we help. That's where I'll leave it. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but it will be there in some version. We will still continue to give back and give back more than, you know, we have a goal. So right now we're up to 21,000. I have a goal and we're just going to keep going until we get there. And Daily Ash says that 
giving back to the community is something that he wishes more of the cigar industry would do. Yeah. And you know what, Daily Ash, you see, and Daily Ash, show us your name so I don't keep calling you Daily Ash because if I slur, <laughs> it's it's cold here. My lips are going to quiver. I don't want to call you the Daily Ass. All right. So let's get it out of the way now. Give us your name. And then so we could use your name. Um, but I think you see some guys doing that. Like, um, you know, Fuente has been leading the way. They have their, their uh, charitable foundation. He has that event mm-hmm. in California that does great with that homeless for the Hondurans or Hondurans homeless or something like that. I think, Hey, Chris, what's going on? Hawaii. What's up? Gosh, you know what? Can you block at hey, hey, Antoine? Can you block or kick somebody off out of here? Like, I don't want, that. I don't want I'm, fucking, I'm freezing my balls off in Jersey. And Chris is going to come in and say, I'm in Hawaii. It's warm. Like, come on, dude. After all those compliments he's been giving me. And then he hits me with that. Like, that's some bullshit, man. Chris, I love you, but now I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. No, seriously, bro. I, I was just looking at it on TripAdvisor, some of the places in Kauai today. They do this thing on TripAdvisor where it's like, hey, if you want to see these places where these movies were shot, go here. And I think it was called the Jungle Cruise or something like that. It was filmed mostly in Kauai. And it, dude, it's I my 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 bucket list is Hawaii. I would love to go to Hawaii one day. So, Chris, you want to send an invite, brother? Come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a. Uh, I wonder if that's the Chris I'm thinking about. It, the Chris, it, well, anyway, I know this is it. I, I don't know how interactive this is, but if it's Chris who has a retail shop in Hawaii, I wonder if it's him. The, um, but anyway, we were, what were we talking? So that's life of ride time, and it may look a little different because there are people. And the question from Dale Ash was, I wish there were more people. I was talking about Fuente, the charitable foundation. I think Rocky did something with the Honduran homeless uh, one time. And you, you do start to see Caldwell, I think, just did something. You have Cigars for Warriors. You have the Smoke and Shields, a group of cigar guys that always give back. There are some great things, great things going on. So you just, I, I would strongly suggest that people kind of go out there and look for it. And if you want to email me, I will give you the names of the people who head those respective organizations. And you can go support them, support their cigars. Because there are a lot more people than Steve Zengel and Los Caidos um, helping others through cigars. It's not only me. It's a whole village, and that's why I love this industry. But there are a lot more people, um, you know, doing doing some good things through cigars, more more so than me. I'm not the only guy. Well, as we kind of near the, the end of our time together, I want to make sure that people know about the products that are out in the stores right now. So if you could just explain the, the two different lines and where they can find those if they want to uh, – well, I know you can't say all the places they can find it, but yep. where they can uh, look for those products. Yeah, so I would strongly recommend you go back to Antoine's post on Instagram or Facebook to see how to spell the name of the cigar company first. That's step one. And actually, I have, let me see. Hopefully, this is <laughs> There you go. Loskaitos.us, Instagram, Loskaitos Cigars. Yes. Well done, Antoine. <laughs> Damn. You got it going, boy. I like that. <laughs> So uh, thank you for that, Antoine. So, yeah, yeah so if you if you Google Los Caidos cigars, um, I think if even if you did police cigars or firefighter cigars, like we had, an, I had an email from a corporal in Hampton today saying, "Hey, just learned about your cigar company. Is there anything we could do together and everything else?" So basically, if you Google Los Caidos, you'll see where we are. Um, you know, I don't know how many other people have paid to get on top, but like I said, we're in 180 stores. 33 states um we're in a, we're so we're we're around um i guess the best way you could find us is to google us i don't have a better answer than that we are six by 54 toro um 
the medium bodied, full of flavor, because when I do my Los Kaitos light ups, I wanted it be to be strong enough for the everyday cigar smoker, but it also had to be mild enough for the person that just wants to partake in that ceremony of remembering a loved one lost. And because I didn't make two cigars, a mild and a medium or, or strong, it had to be medium. And Anton, to go back to your earlier question about how I ended up blending it with Agonorsa, that's how I met Agonorsa. To blend a cigar, it was blended by Arsenio Ramos, who, God rest his soul, since passed away. But he was a known blender in the whole industry. He mm -hmm. was phenomenal. And what I said to people is, like, I remember talking with somebody at a, a cigar industry publication in Manhattan, Mr. Nagy, Andy Nagy. And we were talking and I told him, I was like, bro, I didn't blend a cigar. You think I know what I'm doing with blending? Like, can you imagine how long it would take me to learn what Arsenio Ramos knows having been in the industry two or three years, even four years? Like you'd have to, I would have to have blended or learned for a lifetime, a decade at least to get as good as some of these guys are with blending. So I just told them what I wanted. I said, it needs to be mild enough for this person right? Someone, if you think of a bachelor party, a wedding, a newborn baby, someone who's just wants to partake in a moment and remember a loved one lost, but strong enough for the everyday cigar smoker where it could be put on shelves in cigar stores and people want to go to it. And that's it. He sent me 22 cigars, basically two sets of 11 samples. And I went down with Paul Palmer in Miami, smoked through a bunch of them. And when I got to this one, I said, this is it. This is it. This tastes phenomenal. It's full of flavor, medium bodied. It's not going to knock anyone on their ass. And I loved it. So it's Corojo 99 wrapper, uh, Corojo 99 binder, Corojo 99 filler, and one leaf of Criollo 98 um, to give it a little bit of body and both Valleys, Esteli, and Jalapa. No Condega in it. And uh, I'm very happy with the blend. I'm very happy with the cigar. And I now realize, like, I'm going to be doing more in 222, but that's what the cigar is. It's the same cigar whether you buy the red or the blue. The only difference is where the dollar goes but that dollar would have already been paid for in the sale to the retailer so don't think that when you know when you buy the cigar you're supporting it in the sense that it now is going to turn over and they're going to have to replenish the inventory but that dollar has already been given from the sale of the retailer to to us in Sutliff. so that's uh don't feel like you know I'm not going to support the police. I'm going to support the firefighters and I'm going to buy that red. And that's where my dollar is going to go. The dollar's already been given. So just smoke them. And, uh, you know, whoever you're remembering and loving, you know, whether it's and or just to have fun. I mean, I smoke these on my motorcycle all the time, but I'm a, I'm a pretty deep thinker. So usually when I have one of these and I'm, and I'm alone on my on my wheel or out back, I'm usually thinking of something or someone. But that doesn't mean you have to. Right. So if anyone's out there and they just want to support the cause. And by the way, this is a really opportune time, Antoine, for you to have me on. I thank you for this because it's near the holidays. The 11 count boxes are available and they are great gift items. Great mm -hmm. gift items, especially for families who, you know, are still in the police and fire communities. So that's the only thing I would say is uh, if, if you want to give somebody a gift of cigars, this is a great gift item. The 11 count box. Is there anything else that you want to drop on us as we get ready to sign off for no, today? Bro. Antoine, I dropped everything on you that I haven't dropped on any other <laughs> podcast yet because of everything you've done for me. I told you about the the possible one of the possible new blends coming out in 22. Again, it was the old Villanova cigar that we did. 
Um, I told you about what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. So now there's nothing else I want to drop. I just want to thank you for, for having me on. I mean, you know, I do a podcast, Antoine, and one of the things that's so important to the host is the guest, right? So right. you just, I'm, I'm really humbled that you would want to have me as part because you want to build the brand. You want to build the show, right? So what did, what did, what did Chris say there? He has said, uh, that's an awesome idea. Smoke with yeah. a bunch of police and fire guys. Yeah, they need it. You know, listen, everybody needs support. Everybody on all sides of the fence, because a lot of people feel like right now they're not being supported, not being listened to. And and right now, those are the two groups that I'm currently supporting. And I can tell you it'll be more coming up. Um, but for right now, if you want to show a little love to those guys and support them, that would be, I would really appreciate you doing that. And Chris, he just said another great deep cuts live, which I definitely agree. And uh, as we get ready to sign off, I just want to thank Steve for coming on today. Like I said, I knew that this was would be a good episode and people did ask for you last year and I didn't deliver <laughs> last year because we were on Instagram live and that was just, you know, it, it kind of uh, played its course, I would say. So thank you for it being is, on. It, the, is, it is what it is. We're here now, brother. Yeah, so thank you for being on the, the rebooted version of Deep Cuts and going deep with us on some, some of these topics. I know that they're, uh, some of the topics can be a little bit touchy for some people, but um, this is what Deep Cuts is all about, this, you know, going a little bit deeper than, than usual in the stories that we do and um, all the other coverage that we're able to do. But I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you out at, uh, in the wild <laughs> yes. um, now that things are kind of letting up and things are kind of getting back to normal. So hopefully yeah. uh, I know TPE is coming up. So maybe mm -hmm. I'll be at TPE in, uh, in January. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, and don't forget too, it's made much easier now that I'm with Sutliff. They have yeah. the booth and I just show up. I don't have to cart all that stuff out myself anymore. I hope they're not on listening to this, but they know. I told them three weeks ago in our meeting how much easier they made my life. So <laughs> I, think, I think I was uh, I think I was just like this the whole meeting. So uh, now they've changed it. Mahalo, Chris. Mahalo. And Antoine, I want to congratulate you because you're building something great here. You're letting people share their life story um, or getting, you know, you're doing a great service to others. You're building this brand. You did the reboot yourself. Things are, I wasn't there for the first time, but from what you said, things are much better. So congratulations to you on sticking with your own story. I hope to interview you one day on my podcast. <laughs> I'm always available. Trust me. So you just tell me when, but, um, awesome. We're going to, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Cause I think people should know your story. <laughs> I always like, it's always funny to, to be on the other end of it. And it's funny because, I'm not doing a deep cut next week, but I will be on somebody's podcast next week. So it's like who's? the Wednesday before no? Thanksgiving. Who's <laughs> the Wednesday this? before Thanksgiving. And I, I'm waiting for them to create the, the promo graphic, but okay. you'll see. So I'll be crossing over, getting on the other side. I'll be in your basically seat uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which will be very fun. And then we'll be back to, I think, uh, in, uh, the first week in December. Uh, another great episode with uh, Desiree um, from Drunk Chicken Drunk Cigars. Chicken, yeah. It's also yeah. part yeah. of Sutliff Distribution. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that they they told me that when <laughs> when I saw them three weeks ago, they told me they just picked it up. Yeah, that was, so, great. that was great. I was really happy for them. 
So full circle. So thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, I look forward to uh, seeing you out in the wild and having a conversation and sharing a cigar. And uh, thank you everybody for watching. And there are plenty of more episodes that if you, if this is your first time, there's like, uh, I think this is episode 61. <laughs> so yeah, nice. yeah, 60 more nice. episodes to watch. It's all on YouTube and it's also on um, Deep Cuts' website, which is deepcutslive.com. So you can watch all the back episodes, see some industry news. That will, um, and hopefully this episode will be up hopefully by the end of this week. Um, it's already on, it'll be on YouTube immediately, but we like to go in and kind of uh, update the cover art and all that kind of stuff. So I'll send you that link, Steve, and uh, it'll be out. Yeah, there, you got, yes. Send me that link. Send me the email, your your mailing address, so I can send you the books we talked about pre-show. And then yeah. also, you got to send me on a on a on a download the the thing you're going to be on Wednesday night, so I could set my calendar up and get ready for it. You yeah. laugh, man. I'm going to be on that shit. So, yeah. and the, the other thing I'm going to say to your audience too, and you, Antoine, is you know, I, I tell this to people who watch my shows, um, and especially shows I'm on like this one. If you wrecked my car. I could buy another one tomorrow. If you burn my house down, I'll rent somewhere or move into a hotel. That's not a problem, right? But if you spend an hour, we're live now for an hour and 11, 12 minutes to, on the mm -hmm. nose right now. You can't get that. You are now an hour and 12 minutes closer to death. And the only thing we cannot get back is time. So anyone who gets on here later or was on here tonight, I personally am thanking you for that time because I, it is my most precious asset. It is my most precious asset. So I take that very seriously. And I thank you so much for spending an hour and 12 minutes with us tonight. It means a, uh, an awful lot to me. Thank you very much. And same for me. I always appreciate people who are watching. And uh, I know a lot of people watch this in playback mode. So like you said, regardless of when you're watching it, thank you for watching and tune in uh, later for some other episodes and interviews. But thank you, Steve, and have a good night. You got it, Antoine. Thank you so much again for having me. Have a great night.